Good evening. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I was talking to Brother Sam today on the phone. He said this morning he heard a message from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And tonight we're going to read verses 13 through to 16. Ecclesiastes 4, 13 through to 16. Been looking through the book on uh, Sunday nights and it has been a journey of vanity but hopefully not a vain journey if we can put it that way. <laughs> There's certainly a theme there that we can learn from. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this is also, sorry, surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Let's pray and we'll seek the Lord's guidance as we uh, look into this passage. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can um, come tonight and we can worship you. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, the songs that we've sung are already ministering to our hearts. Uh, we pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to be uh, moldable. We pray that you would help us to be honest before you tonight and may the word of God have free reign. Uh, we pray that you would help us to understand, help us to piece together some things. And we ask that it would be meaningful for each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought to start tonight, we might start off with a riddle. If you've heard it, that's great. If not, think it over. A wise person was once sentenced to death by a king. The king couldn't decide how to execute him, so he said to the wise person, you can say anything you want. If it's true, I will hang you. If it is not true, I will shoot you. In the end, the king released the wise man. What did the wise man say? The wise man, let me just read the riddle for you once more, so you put it together. A wise person was once sentenced to death by a king. The king couldn't decide how to execute him, so he said to the wise person, you can say anything you want. If it is true, I will hang you. If it is not true, I will shoot you. In the end, he was released based on what he said. What did he say? The answer is, you will shoot me. Okay, so he worked him out and he knew what to say. You will shoot me. And uh, he couldn't because that, he couldn't make it true. So it's a perfect riddle and a perfect answer to save his life. Now... My point is this, not the choice between hanging and shooting. <laughs> but what do we think of as wisdom? Uh, that riddle assumed that a wise person is someone who thinks fast on their feet or someone who has a great depth of knowledge from which to draw off an intellectual, an educated person, uh, an experienced person might be how we describe someone as being wise. 
And I think Solomon draws on that conventional idea of wisdom to try and draw out and show what actual wisdom is, to try and highlight that. Because he tells a story about a child who is wiser than a king. A child who is wiser than a king. Now that's all well and good in abstract proverbs, but how could this possibly be true? How could you look at a child and say that they are wiser than a king? And this is Solomon's point. Kings are usually wiser than children. But in this instance, there was something about the child that made them more wise. And that's going to help us in our pursuit of defining what wisdom really is and understanding it. With the king's age and the king's position in the kingdom and having attained that position, we wouldn't think it possible that a child would be able to be wiser than that king. And so Solomon goes on to explain why. And that gets us straight into our first point tonight, the guise of the wise, the appearance of the wise or what makes a wise person wise. Verse 13, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. The comparison that Solomon makes between these two people is on three levels. First of all, it's on the level of position. One is a child, the other is a king. Sorry, one is poor and the other is a king. Secondly, it's on the basis of age. One is a child and the other one is old. And thirdly, on the basis of sensibility, one is wise and the other one is foolish. And Solomon's point is in the last contrast there between the wise and the foolish. And the point is really highlighted by the other details. Uh, He sets one up to be expected to be wise because they're a king and they're older. But in reality, he throws it around to show us what the most important part is. There is not, wisdom is not found in position. Wisdom is not found in age or experience, although that might be a good place to start looking. (laughs) What makes one wise or what makes one foolish? Well, Solomon states it right there at the end of the verse. Why was the king foolish? Because he would no more be admonished. We often assume that a wise person is someone who is knowledgeable. But often knowledgeable people can become proud in their knowledge, can't they? Uh, I know certain things and so you can't tell me I know what I'm talking about and they become proud in that knowledge, which is actually the opposite to wisdom. Wisdom is not intelligence. In fact, why Solomon presents it here, wisdom is a teachable spirit or a soft heart. And I want to bring it back to that all the way through the message tonight. Wisdom is a soft heart and the application of what a soft heart learns. That is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. Let's go there and see if Solomon bears this out in any of his other writings. Solomon chapter, sorry, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. Proverbs 12, 15. How does Solomon separate the wise from the foolish? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise, or he that listens to advice is wise. Wisdom lies in a soft heart, a teachable spirit. Have a look in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1, just the very next chapter. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1, a wise son is 
heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke or correction. So, so the wise are the ones who listen and learn. The foolish are the ones who fail to listen or refuse to listen. And so a defining feature of wisdom, in fact, the defining feature of wisdom that Solomon presents for us here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is a teachable spirit. And so do you want to be wise? Do you want to be someone that people consider as being wise? Or do you want to grow in wisdom in who you are? Well, don't think I need to be smarter than everybody else. I need to know more answers than everybody else. Don't just think I need to be more experienced than everybody else because Solomon teaches us that those things aren't necessarily the source of wisdom. If you want to be wise, you must remain teachable. You must be soft. The child, for all of the lack of knowledge and lack of experience, was admonishable or teachable, whereas the king wasn't. Even an experienced king needs admonition, and we see this in successful rulers all around the world. Those who are willing to have advisors and listen to their advisors tend to succeed. Those who fail to listen to advice don't succeed. And those who realize that leadership doesn't mean you're the smartest are the ones who actually succeed. Sometimes, often, wisdom is harder to maintain the older you get. Because the older you get, the younger your teachers become. The older you get, the more you know and the more you think or the littler you think you have to learn. Unless, with age, we continue to learn how much we need to learn. <laughs> That's wisdom as we age. Now, sometimes those who were wise grow to become foolish. And the Bible teaches us some examples of this. Solomon is a great example, but it's not the example I want to look at tonight. One example I want to look at, just to prove this point, is in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Sometimes those who start out wise grow to become foolish. If you know your kings and queens of Israel and Judah, you would know the name Athaliah. And you would know that that was a wicked reign in the nation of Israel. Athaliah tried to wipe out the king's um, heirs, and so she was trying to wipe out the royal line so she would be the only ruler. Uh, one of those who were in the king's household managed to save one of the king's sons, hid him in the temple. And the priest, Jehoiada the priest, was able to look after that young boy by the name of Joash until he was old enough to start reigning. What do we read about Joash? Well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 1, this is at the start of his reign. So after he'd been protected and he begins to reign as king. 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, all the days of Jehoiada the priest. What does that tell us about Joash? Well, it tells us that he listened to two people 
And we find this out from reading the rest of his story. Number one, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. How did he find out what was right in the sight of the Lord? He listened to the law. He was teachable. He heard what the Lord wanted him to do and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But it also says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. So it tells us that he was listening to Jehoiada as his advisor. And Jehoiada the priest was a great influence upon both Joash the king and the country all the way through his ministry as priest in Judah. But there came a time when Joash grew out of his wisdom. We read in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 20. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Verse 22, Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. The terrible thing that Joash did. Murdered the son of the man who preserved his life. And we read that the son of Jehoiada came and he gave a prophecy. He told Joash that he and his kingdom were going the wrong direction and they needed to turn back to the Lord. But at this stage of Joash's life, he thought he knew better. And so he didn't listen to what God said. He failed to heed what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he failed to listen to the prophet of God who was telling him to do that as well. And at the commandment of the king, that prophet was stoned. So a young man who started wise grew out of his wisdom. And as a more mature, more experienced king, he was more of a fool than he was as a child. Interesting, isn't it? Begs the question, how do we think that we prove wisdom? How can we prove to other people that we are wise? Is it by showing how intelligent we are and how little we need their advice? Is that how we show people that we are wise? I'm smart enough not to need to be told what you're trying to teach me. Is that wisdom? No, it's not. That's stubbornness. Stubbornness in intellectualism, I suppose we could say. We might think if I listen... It will make everybody else think that I'm a fool because I have to listen to advice. But that's precisely the opposite to what the Bible says wisdom is. Wisdom is being teachable. Wisdom is having a soft heart towards the right channels of information and instruction. And so maybe here Joash was trying to prove himself wise by not listening to good advisors. And in so doing, he made himself a fool. Even a child is wiser than a king if they will listen to admonition. And so tonight I wonder, are you a child? Are you someone in that position without high privilege? You, know, you don't have much authority in the home or in the church or in the school or wherever it might be. Let me encourage you, wisdom is listening. 
Wisdom is finding a trustworthy source and listening to it. Being willing to shape your life based upon the things that you hear. First of all, you need to listen to the scriptures. And then you need to listen to other people who are saying the same thing to what the scriptures are saying. Tune yourselves in to those people. That's how you become wise. Not every child is wise. That's not what Solomon's saying here. He's not saying children are wiser than kings. In fact, by using this example, he's probably saying this is not the way it usually goes. Oftentimes, children may think they know better. And a child who thinks they know better than their teachers will never become wise. They might learn facts. They might get better and better at knowledge, but they will never become wise. Because a wise person is a person who listens, a person who is teachable. But perhaps your childhood is a distant memory. Perhaps you've moved on from that time. Well, as you move on into the era of life where this king lived, wisdom is not showing that you have nothing left to learn. That you don't need to be taught, that you don't need to be advised, that you're smart enough now to walk by yourself without any advisement. That's not how a teenager proves they're different to a child. (laughs) That's not how an adult proves that they're better than a teenager. It's not how an older, wiser person proves that they're better than a younger person. No, a person who wants to be wise of any age needs to be teachable. And so I wonder, is that how you see wisdom? And the biggest question, are you humble enough to be wise? Because it certainly takes humility to be a wise person, doesn't it? Christian experience doesn't equal wisdom. Christians should be experienced enough to know that they have to be taught for the rest of their life. Uh, We know that we can't just rely upon our own knowledge. Uh, We need the knowledge of God even through ever-growing younger younger teachers. (laughs) So the guise of the wise, how do the wise appear? Well, they appear as teachable people. That's how to identify them. Second of all, let's move on, the rise of the wise. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 14. This is where the passage gets a little bit more ambiguous, takes a little bit more putting together. Verse 14. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. Now the interpretation of this part, um, based upon the sheer disagreement in it, is not certain. But it seems that he that cometh to reign is a reference to the child actually becoming the ruler in the place of the king. This child who is wise grows up to supersede the king or to succeed the king in the kingdom. And that's why we read in Proverbs, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 15, I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. Speaking about the child standing in the stead, most likely, of this king. And so this wise young child is not just a comparison to the king who rules over him, but this wise young child actually grows up to replace the old foolish king. And if this be the case, then more is said about this child than him being young and wise. 
We read there in verse 14, For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. If this is the case, that it's a reference to the child growing up and taking the place of the king, then this poor, wise child was born poor into this king's kingdom, started off in a very humble place, and based upon that poverty, most likely, and upon the basis that he was growing up in a foolish king's kingdom, he ended up in prison. Although this child in prison in poverty and young, was born into a humble estate and saw a hard early life, his wisdom saw him elevated. And that's the point that Solomon is trying to make here. This is a comparison of a king to his young, wise successor. And it shows that wisdom, that by wisdom, a poor, persecuted child can rise up through the ranks. The, the point of the story is that wisdom can elevate people. Wisdom can enhance a person's life. Wisdom is something that is uplifted, something that is honoured by people. And Solomon goes into that over in Proverbs chapter 4. If you turn over with me to Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon speaks about how wisdom is identified and how wisdom honours a person. Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 7. Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. Solomon says that humbly maintaining a soft heart, being teachable, listening to the right sources, particularly to the word of God, and then doing those things that we are led to, that is wisdom. That's what makes a person wise. And it is our teachable spirit that determines our promotions. People are elevated, they're lifted up, they're honoured based upon how teachable they are particularly when it comes to the word of god and so there's a good question do you want to rise through the ranks in places that matter do you want to be held in higher esteem in god's eyes which are the most important eyes do you want to be held in higher esteem in the eyes of those who are seeking to serve the lord and to, to minister for him then get wisdom wisdom should be your goal not skill, not knowledge, not all of those things. Perhaps they are what wisdom recommends, but wisdom is the principal thing. Now, this is not a promise for fame or for popularity. Uh, the world system in which we live now is a flawed system. Uh, it doesn't lift up those who are humble, and those who are teachable. God says that there is a natural progression in his world where wisdom will be honoured even here for a while. Perhaps it will cause your testimony to rise up and for people to see it and to honour it. Perhaps it will earn you respect before other people who care about things that matter. 
Perhaps it will bring you into a position of trust. Or perhaps you are looking forward to eternal rewards that wisdom can bring. Either way, wisdom honours us. Wisdom lifts us up. That's what we need to be looking for. And if you think about it, this is what we do all the time. Let's put, the, uh, put you in the other position, the other side of the equation. Say you're looking for a worker for your business. What sort of person are you looking for? Generally, people look for experience. Okay? Uh, people look for someone who's skillful. But then if you boil it down, do you really want someone who's experienced if you can't teach them the way you want things done? No. <laughs> you don't want a stubborn worker that you can't re-educate into the way that you want things done, do you? You don't want someone who's going to be hard to work with. You think about it in a friend. What do you want in a friend? Do you want someone who won't listen to what you've got to say? Do you want someone who's not listening to what the Word of God has to say, who's not listening to anyone in authority has to say? Do you want a person like that? You see, wisdom is valuable in that area for the things that we are looking for. Who do you want to work for in a boss? Don't say a charismatic person. Don't say a talented person. Don't even say a rich person. You want to work for a wise person. A person who's willing to listen person who's willing to adapt themselves based upon what is the right thing to do. Who do we want in a prime minister? <laughs> someone who's wise. Not proud of their own intellect, but someone who's wise. In all these things, these are the people that we look for, and we should remember that because that's the people that we should be, because that's who everyone's looking for. We ought to seek to be the wise. Now, we need to sound the bell of Ecclesiastes. It's been sounding too positive. Let's bring things back to a bit of vanity. <laughs> Point number three, the demise of the wise. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses 15 and 16. Ecclesiastes 4:15. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, this is a pretty encouraging story, isn't it? Rags to riches. Someone who gets exalted for a good reason, not just for um, the silver spoon in the mouth at birth. <laughs> Someone who actually deserves to be lifted up is being lifted up but you know this encouraging story is just one story in a long line of succession there have been many many who have come before them and there will be many who will come after them and certainly from the time of solomon there was and eventually this even wise king would lose favor now, even a wise king when they make a decision that goes against people lose the favor of those people for some time for selfish reasons in the people Perhaps they would be forgotten. Perhaps the people just wanted something else. Or perhaps this humble king who started out humble is a bit of a Joash. And towards the end of their life, they become foolish and they lose the people's respect. Regardless, a promising story just becomes part of a long, monotonous tale of letdowns and people who don't do the right thing. tells us about the fickleness of this situation it's a good note but it's a good note that doesn't last 
And that's what Solomon's problem is with this situation. Even when wisdom is honoured, eventually that person loses out in favour. Or they give up their wisdom and turn back to foolishness. Wisdom is a great asset. But even the wise are despised. Or they're replaced by someone who just hands more money out to people. (laughs) Sometimes they're just simply forgotten. Or they just become proud. Even the good story of wisdom being elevated doesn't last in this world. It's a vain world. And that was what was frustrating Solomon so much. And that's what's going to continue. You might decide wisdom is the best thing. And that's what the Bible recommends. Be wise. It's the best way to go. And then you'll see that you're frustrated because wisdom doesn't always get exalted. Sometimes foolishness gets exalted. And it's a frustration to us. This is going to continue all the way until the perfect kingdom arises. Till a time where things change in a big way. And this brings us to our last point where we've got to finish. The wisest of the wise. This hypothetical situation that we just read about. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king. This story resembles that of our Saviour. In his earthly estate, Jesus Christ was born poor, but wise. He submitted himself to human learning, submitted himself to human authority, and that's an incredible thought to ponder. He was a truly wise child. And then he was despised, and he was rejected, and his grave was among the criminals... And when he came out of the grave victorious as the triumphant king, he came out of prison to reign. True about the Lord Jesus Christ as well. The difference between the king that Solomon spoke about in this endless succession of vanity and the Lord Jesus Christ is that things in his kingdom won't fall apart. It won't change again. Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, you might come across these verses in the season into which we're entering. Luke 1, 32, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his, father's, and of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and get these words, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The vanity of what Solomon saw was that there was an endless succession of rulers. So even if you get a wise one, quickly he's either going to be forgotten or going to be replaced by somebody else, but not so with Christ. Jesus Christ has no successor, never will. Once that wise king rules the whole earth, no one will ever take his throne. And this is where wisdom is perfected. This is where we see wisdom being exalted and never again brought down, the way things ought to be. And friends, the point is that we can be there in that place with him when all things become good like we're longing for them to become. The question that we need to ask to finish up then, how do we become a part of that kingdom? How do we become a part of the kingdom of the wise king? Well, not surprisingly, by wisdom. 
by wisdom. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Second Timothy 3.15 And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We are not born wise unto salvation. We're not born with the knowledge of what we need to do in order to be saved, in order to be rescued from our sin. In fact, we're not even born with the knowledge that we ourselves are sinners. We learn this as we grow up. We learn that we're sinners. We learn that there is a way to be saved. And the Bible tells us that we learn this through the scriptures or through perhaps people spreading the message of the scriptures. Without the scriptures, without God's revelation, we would have no idea about sin and salvation and so forth. We would be blind. But because the scriptures speak to us about everybody's sin, not just you, not just me, but everybody, everybody's sin. And because the scriptures speak to us about a saviour coming to earth and dying for our sins so that we might be forgiven, that allows us to become wise unto salvation. And note that idea of wisdom that we started with. What is wisdom? It's not just knowledge. It's teachableness. And that's what salvation's all about. It's not about knowing that there was a saviour. It's not just about knowing that he died for your sins even. It's about being teachable with that. Christ died for my sins and I'm going to receive it. I accept that. I'm going to live in that light. That's wisdom. It's the scriptures that can make us wise. And so whoever you are, whatever walk of life, whatever stage of life, whatever your level of intelligence we all need to be made wise by the scriptures. We all need to be teachable by the gospel of Christ, the gospel which tells us that we've all sinned, we can only go through Christ, and that we need to only believe in order to be saved. We need to submit ourselves to that message. That is true wisdom. And so the question for you is, are you wise unto salvation? Have you been taught your problem of sin? Have you been taught that the only answer is the Lord Jesus Christ and then have you submitted yourself to that knowledge? That's true wisdom. This is how we escape the cycle of foolishness that we observe every single day. And hopefully you have received that message of wisdom a long time ago. Hopefully you've just done it. That's the most important thing. The question that I would ask you then is having begun in wisdom... Are we now wise because of vain pride? Is that what wisdom is all about for the Christian now? We had to bend the knee in order to be saved, but now it's just a matter of accumulating Christian experience and Christian knowledge so that we can fight with our Bible better than somebody else can fight with their Bible. That's not Christian wisdom. It's foolishness. Wisdom is being teachable. And we must ever remain teachable, no matter how experienced we are as Christians. We must ever be teachable by the word of God and by those who represent it accurately. 
And so, a poor child, more wise than a king. Well, that's the Christmas story, isn't it? It's exactly what we're looking at in the month to come. And once again, Solomon's frustration in vanity, which he really doesn't have an answer for here. But once again, that frustration finds its answer in Christ. He really is the answer to this book, isn't he? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for uh, the honesty of Solomon uh, in that he was willing to express the frustrations of his heart and our Lord was willing to ask questions about the injustices that he saw. Our Lord, we thank you that through his questions and through seeking an answer to them, we might come to Christ. We might learn that the fulfillment of wisdom, the fulfillment of justice, of all of the other things that Solomon has a problem with really are found in Christ and in the eternity that is to come with him. Lord, we thank you that we can look into your word. We thank you that we can learn from it. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, regardless of the stage at which we are at, help us to be teachable, especially from your word. We commit ourselves to you tonight. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.